Hey listeners, thanks for listening to the HBCU Audio Experience Podcast. On this episode, we have Tara Lane Crawford. We talk to her about her HBCU experience, what she's doing in music as she's uh, recording and releasing uh, music at this time. And it was a cool conversation. She's very thoughtful. Um, and I think you'll get a little bit out of this uh, episode. So hope you enjoy and uh, let us know what you think by rating us on Apple iTunes after the episode. Thanks. Hope you enjoy. Miss Tar. Tar. I had it right the first time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tar. Uh, that, that was that was totally my fault. I had a tab open. So tell me how you how you're feeling about what's going on in the world. Okay. Uh, so definitely, as I mentioned, you know, looking at things, I have to look at things from a spiritual lens. Uh, first and foremost, I, I believe that God is communicating uh, something to the entire world. Never have I've seen in my lifetime where the entire world is shut down and the entire world is uh, marching and protesting uh, against the opp- systems of oppression in this world. Um, so how I personally feel about it. I'm upset, frustrated. I'm uh, hurt. I'm disheartened. However, I'm looking at it from a spiritual lens. I am hopeful. I do believe that change can come. Uh, I do believe that there are marginalized groups of community and communities, particularly black people, and we're, we're tired of it. And so the, that in a nuts, brief nutshell is how I'm feeling about it. Upset, right. but looking forward to the new, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. How is it in California right now? Is there riots? Are there is there looting? What's going on out there? Absolutely, yes. And so I'm born and raised in Sacramento, living in Sacramento now. And last night there were lots of uh, looting and riots and uh, police and protests. And so I think that that this is a result of a long history of what has taken place in the United States and even around the world. Uh, do I agree with all of the approaches and strategies that we're going? You know, I think I can't judge anyone, but I, I do think that we have to look at the ways where we can affect internal opposed to right. the external. Right. Do you think um, this is just, you know, anger built up and this is the way to get it to get a rise out of people? Because, you know, we've uh, we've tried to be nice. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, slave, we, were, we were good slaves. We were promised 40 acres and a mule. Mm-hmm. Uh, never got it. Um, right. Every other race has got reparations. Even the Italians got it, you know, in the 80s. I don't even know what the Italians got it for. Um, I don't know what the Italians got it for either. That's and you learn something every day. Why do they deserve a? Rep- I mean, no disrespect to the right. Italian community, but yeah. uh, in comparison to the black people, do I think that this is something that has been built up anger? Absolutely, people are upset uh, after feeling oppressed for so long. Rebellion is bound to happen, and it's something that I can recognize and identify and understand. Um, As a leader, though, I I do want to provide some insight on some more strategic ways to really bring about permanent, tangible change. Um, But I do think that this is 
yes, sustained anger that has been built up and now it's all coming out. And it's, it's not just happening in African-American communities. It's, it's happening throughout the world. Throughout mm-hmm. the entire world is, is having spurts of rebellion and, and riots. And I think it's remarkable to see the level of tenacity that people are exhibiting as it in terms of what's going on. I, I do think that we could be more strategic, but I think it's it's admirable. Right, right. Yes. Sounds good. Yes. Well we've talked a little bit uh before. Yes. Know, so I have a little background on you. But uh okay. give us give us who you are. Um you know you you told us you're from California and you know mm-hmm. from Tell us what HBCU you went to and tell us about your HBC experience. Okay, this is the fun part. So I am Tara Lynn Crawford, Tara Lynn uh, for short, from Sacramento, California, born and raised. Uh, overall, I would describe myself as a uh, well-spoken, diligent, uh, forward-thinking individual, a lot of which can be contributed to my Great experience at Alabama Agricultural Mechanical University. It was a wonderful time, time where during my most formative years, I learned a lot. I had a good time. I definitely recommend anybody who's interested in pursuing post-secondary education to attend an HBCU and also attend Alabama A&M. <laughs> right, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Now, when were you first exposed to HBCUs? So originally I was exposed to HBCUs. I would say during, well, that I've had introductions growing up as a child. And so I had a few relatives who attended HBCUs. However, a serious like introduction in terms of learning about the all intensive purposes of these institutions and learning about the, the progressive nature of these institutions in high school, high school. And my particular HBCU, it's this funny story because I remember uttering out of my mouth that I would never go to Alabama A&M. They came to my school my junior year and uh, I was on the basketball team and I just was in my teenage mindset. And it's so funny how life ends up going and you end up doing what you say you don't want to do. But right. it was, it was a life-changing experience. I would do it 20 times over again right. if I could. Right. Okay. Now, where are you in your professional career now? So just finished my degree, in, uh, my second degree in higher education leadership. I just earned it from Sac State. And so I'm actually um, happy about that. And my whole goal is to have an impact in the student affairs sector. And so doing that working, well, right now not working due to the quarantine period, uh, but definitely continuing to uh, use my gifts and talents to motivate others, motivational speaking, you know, wrote a book and music. So I would say it's it's a hip hop pedagogy is what I do. Right, right. Mm-hmm. How did you get into motivational speaking? So to me, to be a motivational speaker, you got to be able to talk about how you were motivated through tough times. And I personally... I feel like everything that you've been through is a part of your story and you can talk about your story. And so I just started telling people a little bit about myself in terms of me being able to progress from a a city going to all the way across the world into a whole nother 
state and which would be considered a a very different type of state, you know, from urban to rural, so to speak, and navigating through that. And so I've been public speaking, though, since I was six years old, um, just talking and doing different things in the church. But exactly like actually motivational speaking every single day, I, I take the opportunity to try to motivate somebody. Then on a grand scheme with the colleges and institutions and uh, being able to just uh, kind of market myself to the schools and ask them if I could come, something that we're doing now. Right. Now, being a motivational speaker, along with the other skills that you do have, yeah. how, what, how has motivational, well, how has being able to public speak to help you, help you in your career and in your life in general? Yes. Okay. So I feel like a lot of conflict comes with uncommunicated expectations, uh, un- uncommunicated thoughts. And so communication, in my opinion, is one of the essential skills that every person should work on developing or sharpening if you already have it. Uh, Personally, communications has allowed me to get into interviews, to obtain different professional jobs, to network, to even have a conversation with someone day to day from all types of walks of life. And so that's important. It's, it's important. You have right. to know how to talk to people. Right. Right. Yeah. Sounds good. Now you said you were an author. Yes. Tell I me am. About your, tell okay. Me about yeah. So I've written a book. It's entitled Unmasked Yet Covered. And the book is about my experiences in the child welfare system. And it's more so, you know, not, not only is it about my personal experience, but it's also really about providing people with strategy on how to reconcile with their truth and overcome adversity. You know, a lot of times in today's society right now in our current generation, I feel like we do a lot of um, faking and hiding who we really are. And so unmasked yet covered, you can literally unmask yourself and still be covered. You can still be secure in who you are without having to hide who you are. So that's unmasked yet covered. Nice. Now, how, now how did you write that book? Did you write it by mistake? It was it intentional. Did it take a long time? Was it a short write? Tell me about how you came to writing a book. Yes. So I wanted to write a book when I was 18 years old. I'm 25 now. I wanted to write it when I was 18. However, the book process, I was too nervous. I was too um, in tune to what other people might think. I was too afraid. And over time, as I matured, I've started watching other people write books and that inspired me. And, and, and I know like I'm called to do this. I'm called to write this book. And so last year, I every single day I was writing every single day and I just went forth and, and did it and finished the process. It does take a lot of time. Um, in terms of writing it down, recollecting your thoughts, going back to talk about not only what you want to talk about, but what the end reader could be benefiting from getting on your book or reading your book, rather. So all of that took a lot of time and thoughts. Right. Were you always a good writer or is that something that you had to develop? Was it a teacher that really took you from being a beginner to an advanced writer? Okay. So, yeah. So 
I wouldn't, you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say I'm just good at everything. <laughs> excellent, 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 excellent. But I will say that in grade school, I, I did have some advanced placement courses where the classes did challenge you in writing. And so the AP classes, they were very difficult. And I thought I was an okay writer. AP classes proved to me that I definitely could improve. And so I would go to writing uh, skills workshop and as as well as the traditional education in terms of the classes I took. Poetry and spoken word and creative writing also allowed me to become a, a more tailored writer. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Now, this book, mm -hmm. did someone say that you need to write a book or did you say, did you see a problem that you figured that this could, this book could help solve? Like, yeah. give me a feel for how you wrote it, because I want to give our audience a feel for if they have something in them that a book may be able to may be able to help someone solve a problem that they have or just solve a problem in the community. Yes. So two things. Uh, one, reflecting on my individual experiences and feeling like what I might have to say can add value to someone's life after overcoming my own insecurities is help me write the book and absolutely seeing a problem. The problem with the lack of confidence and identity and the problem in our child welfare systems throughout the country is something that what made me want to write a book. And um, throughout the rest of the book in chapter seven of the book, I talk and I provide lots of strategies specifically for child welfare advocates, social workers, um, even in some incarcerated or formerly incarcerated or foster youth or youth in group homes, provide them strategies with how to overcome their situation because this is a big problem. And today is the last day in May. This is the last day of foster care awareness month. And I think that this topic is a topic that is often overlooked. And in my opinion, is also another form of oppression. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Now we're here. Uh, you just, yes. Well, people know you're an author, but you mm -hmm. also rap. You also make music. Yes. Yes. Now, <laughs> when did you fall in love with music? And then when did you feel like you had something to offer to the musical community through hip hop? Okay. So I fell fell in love with music when. I would say really 10 years old, listening to to different rappers is therapeutic when I was 10. And when I turned 14, around 13, 14, or perhaps actually 12 years old, I started practicing. And so okay. I just started writing different raps and seeing if I could do it. And it was fun. It was fun back then to express myself that way. And then it started getting into poetry and just kept going all the way for for through now <laughs> up until <Right>. now <laughs> right that makes yeah. sense mm -hmm. now, so you just dropped a, a song about hbcus 
Yes, yes. So, so basically, uh, to go, I am an author, and the book actually has a soundtrack that will be coming out this summer. It's the Unmasked Yet Covered soundtrack, and the head premiere single is the song HBCUs. As an HBCU grad myself, I felt it was necessary uh, to make a song that speaks to the importance of our institutions. I think that uh, rap is a great way to gain people's attention and to have some fun and to teach and to kind of inspire others. And I see like me personally as a rapper, I always wanna be the rapper that is going to say something substantial or say something that matters. And making the HBCU song, HBCU song was fun. I've had that beat for about two and a half years now and to be okay. able to really use this as the single is something special for me. Right. Who's yeah. your musical influence? Mm. Well, who okay. are your musical influences? Yes, influences. So we talked about that last time we talked. So I'll have to say, let me see. Before, and we're going to go on record today. So <laughs> let me see. So from the hip hop perspective, J. Cole. Mm-hmm. There's a rapper out of New Orleans named D1. Mm-hmm. I love Diggy Simmons. From a general music perspective, I like Sade mm-hmm. and jazz. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now live, who are your who's your the most who's the person that you like the most live? Live. Okay. Yes, that's important. Very, very important. Okay, so ooh, okay, that's tough because I've seen D1 live and I've seen J. Cole live. Okay. They, they're kind of neck and neck. D1 has a lot of energy. He okay. has he has a lot of energy. Uh I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna have to go with the underdog today. D1. D1. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> We have a, a lot of people like to make music, and there mm-hmm. are a lot of costs associated with making music. If someone wants to make a song, how much does it really cost from a producer to getting the rights to it, to renting a beat, to buying a beat, to studio time, to engineering? Tell me yes. what's the cost of creating just one song. One song. Okay, so you have time and money. So mm-hmm. One, you're going to spend time on the creative process of just writing the lyrics. Uh, And that looks differently for everybody. Everybody is different on that, right? right? But in terms of the actual cost, the money that you're going to spend, one, you have to have a beat. And so in my opinion, it's better to have exclusive rights to the beat opposed to leasing rights. So there's a difference. Exclusive rights and leasing. Leasing, you have purchased the beat. However, someone else can purchase the beat as well and use the same song, the same beat that you've made. Now, with exclusive right, you own the beat. You can change up the melodies. You have all of the track stems, which track stems are the 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 properties of the beats that can change, whether that the sound. So like drums, the piano, you can change that. Now, 
that that is going to depend on the producer that you purchased the beat from. Beats can range from exclusive rights anywhere from $20 if they're a new producer to $400, $500, $1500 depending on who you're shopping with. I the most that I've spent on a beat to date well it was a beat deal so I would say 150 per beat. Okay. And I have purchased the majority of the beats exclusive. I've purchased three beats based on a leasing where I don't really own the beat and someone else can beat, can do the song or could someone else can use it. However, I haven't published the song or put the song out. So it was basically uh, okay. practicing. And All then right. you're going to pay for the studio time. It can be $20 an hour, $30 an hour. And you have to get the songs professionally mixed and mastered if you're going to be professional and serious about it. Right. Then lastly, I'd say you have to pay a distributor to get the song put out if you want to recuperate any expenses like on iTunes and Spotify. You might have to pay a tune core. Well, distro kid is relatively inexpensive though. So Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That um that, <laughs> that, that that makes sense. And and I appreciate it because you know a lot of people don't know, you know, everything that goes into you know making music. <laughs> yes, it, it costs. And I think that a lot of times people uh, just they see the end result. You know, a lot of rappers flash their money. Right. And so they see the end result of flashing the money and and being able to uh, show that off into the world, which. OK, cool. But but let's not get too caught up in that because you really don't know what this person had to go through to actually get to that that process and it takes capital to make money it takes capital you have to you have to have some money to make definitely. some money. definitely how do you get the money to invest in yourself yeah so okay so i do work professionally i'm just not working during this quarantine period and so uh one my professional position i I do work and as well i'm in the stock market and so i have expenses that way i mean well i have revenue coming in that way and so um i just i i i I personally i all of the ways that i get money is all legal but i find ways to get money right (laughs) <laughs> we have a question yes. from YouTube from IV. It says, please elaborate on what mixing and mastering means. Okay, that's great. That's great. So mixing and mastering, slightly different. Mixing is ensuring that the elements of the song sounds professional. It's it's mixed down, which requires a sound engineer to go in and they actually look at all of the levels, the vocals, or you may want to have special effects on the song. You may want to pause and bring the beat in. So that's mixing. Now, mastering is when you have an album and you're going to make sure all of the songs on the album match sound the same and sound the same in terms of the quality all across throughout the entire album. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I I always understood what mixing was, but I truly, I didn't know what mastering means. So thank you for, you know, letting us know that. Now I was, I was in my life a couple of days ago and a notification came at the top of my phone and it said, Tara Lynn on TikTok. Oh, okay. Yes. And when we <laughs> talked three or four months ago, I know nobody knew about TikTok. No. 
And, you know, me, you know, I suggested that you join TikTok. You did. You did. Now, what has happened in these last four months where TikTok has almost taken over the world? Okay, so I I attribute a lot of TikTok success um, outside of them just being the company that they are. Uh, the quarantine period where people uh, do not have access to the traditional forms of entertainment that we did have before this time period. So TikTok, that's that's coming up, and musicians and rappers and and. And entertainers are using TikTok as a marketing tool. And so I did think about what you said. And I said, I'm going to finally get on TikTok. Um, and, and, and I'm going to actually start using the platform. I am not a TikTok type of person, per se, in terms of like making the TikToks and doing the challenges. But I will start to use the platform a little bit more often because I believe in society is all about adjusting. It might be something else that comes up in the next two years. And um, if you're going to be in a industry where people are wanting to connect with you, want to find out, or you want people to connect with you, you have to be able to adjust and use the platforms they use. So right. I gave but, in. Yeah, you, are, you are a TikTok person though. <laughs> you know, because a lot of people think it's about making the dances and it's not. You have 90, 95 year old grandfathers on there that have a million followers. Then you have people that are just doing food that are, you know, that have a lot of following on TikTok. So if you really just put in who you are and what you do, just being able to eloquently speak, I really think you'll really take off on TikTok. And I want you to take a look at the top 50 songs in the world. And compare that to the top 50 songs on TikTok. Okay. You know, it's unbelievable what type of correlation you'll see. The, okay. You remember the, um, what was that challenge that got popular during quarantine? The uh, uh, don't the don't rush challenge? Yes. That was um, strictly because of TikTok. Wow. It blew, it blew up on TikTok and that's what made it kind of take over the world. So it's, it's unbelievable what, you know, what TikTok does. And with you making music, all it takes is for you to have one song that just takes off on TikTok. And if you have some HBCU influencers that start dancing to your HBCU song and make up a dance to it. Free game. It can really go well. Okay. Now, thank you. Tell me what, once people listen to the HBCU song, we're going to debut it on our Instagram right after we get off of this. Uh, we're not, we're not going to debut it, but we're going to post it on our Instagram once we get off of here. What can people get from that HBCU song? Wow. Well, well, first and foremost, thank you so much for the insight you just provided me as it pertains to TikTok. So um, I duly noted, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. As it pertains to the HBCU song, one, I think that there's there are a number of things that people will gain. One, you will be able to learn about the importance of attending HBCUs. I really believe that whoever listens to the song will be able to resonate in some aspects of their experience if they already went to an HBCU or be inspired to go to an HBCU. As well, you will learn a lot about me in terms of me as a rapper, who I am as a person. I put an uh, introduction in the video to kind of give uh, the audience a little bit of information about who I am, so you'll learn about me. And lastly, I I believe that you will uh, want to 
uh, learn more, uh, whether that be about HBCUs or me in general or or the culture of Black people in higher education. Uh, I think that that's what the song drives home. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. What type of feedback have you received so far? So far, the feedback has been, this has been a blessing. I've gotten a lot of feedback, you know, in terms of from the Greek community to HBCU grads throughout the country who have mentioned that they like the song, they like the beat, they like the drums, they like the lyrics. So I think I'm I'm grateful. I'm, I'm very grateful. All glory to God, glory to God. And I'm just excited about the future. I'm I'm hopeful that this will be the anthem of of all HBCUs for until someone else makes another HBCU song. So now you know what I need. It's it's a big it's a big favor. What's up? Um, I want to do an intro for okay. this for this live show. Okay. Is that something that you could help us with? Sure, I'll be delighted to do an intro. So, do you need something in terms of something recorded? Yeah, like some maybe like a ten. Yeah, maybe like ten seconds when we come on here. You know, just something about HBCUs. You know, I got you. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Cool. I'm gonna hold you to it. Now, (laughs) you're Greek as well. How has how has being Greek helped you in your career and social life? You know, what what has it done for you? Sure, sure. I wonder if the audience can guess what organization I'm a part of. But <laughs> put, put it in the comments. Let's see who knows. <laughs> so, uh, being Greek has been phenomenal. I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed the sisterhood. I've enjoyed being able to drive and create cre- work towards creating social change in my individual community, which is Sacramento. Um, Definitely career being able to have other individuals who have already done what I'm doing to uh, give some nuggets and some jewels and some tips on how to go about things. That's important. So from a mentorship standpoint, sisterhood standpoint and service standpoint, it's been great. Right. Right. Sounds good. Yeah. How, How can people keep up with you? Yeah. Yeah. This is the fun part. So. Please uh, follow me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at underscore Tara Lynn three underscore Tara Lynn three as as well. I'm on Twitter at underscore Tara Lynn three YouTube Tara Lynn three and my website taralynncrawford.com. I want to give a huge shout out to all of the HBCU students that are watching this. I want to come to your institution. So if you're interested in having me at a forum or anything, please reach out to me via website. Um, I will be available. We're kicking things back started again once the quarantine period stops. There are already some institutions that I am scheduled to to be at. And so thank you so much for being interested. I want to talk to you too. I want to be able to see how I can help. It's not only do I like just doing this, but I am serious about trying to help others. And so you need anything from me, reach out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely need an intro. I definitely I got you for real. I really do. And I appreciate you. Thank you. It's something, it's something about, I'm, I'm really into like the sound bites. Like, you know, when TMZ comes on, it goes boom, boom, boom. Yes. You know, like, like I really think that 
when you have a sound that really kind of rattles around in your phonological loop. Yes. I really, really think that that makes a difference. And I think that brands need to brand how they sound mm -hmm. as well as how they look and as okay. well as how they project too. Okay. You know, so that's something that I've, I've been really, really thinking about. Okay. Know? Okay. So seriously, I am scheduled to go to the studio within the next week or so. So okay. I'll work on some things and I'll send you some samples, see right. which one you like best. Right. And we'll, you know, we'll swap it out. Sometimes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that. Now, right. I, re I really thank you. I really thank you for uh, coming on. I know, you know, this is a, you know, tough time for, you know, Black America and everything yeah. that's going on. But I also think it's been a lot, a lot of positives that has, have come out of the yes. quarantine and um, yes. you know, a lot of other things. So yes. I think quarantine and COVID has really brought out things like this, where I don't know if we would be doing this live if it hadn't been for quarantine. No, no, everyone, you know, I, I always say that pre pre COVID, everyone was wrapped up into their own lives and schedules and and our digital connection was more so about sharing rather than exchanges. And so now we are exchanging both just sharing, which is beautiful. And right. I hope that there's some things that we can still continue during or after this is over in terms of our exchange with each other. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think um, online video, like, you know, what we're doing on StreamYard and then Zoom yeah. has really taken off and then e-commerce has, you know, really taken off as well. Skyrocketed. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you look at merch and how do you look at e-commerce? Is that something that you do, something that you're going to do? Uh, yes. Your strategy? Yes. And so, uh, as mentioned, I remember I'm thinking about, you know, you asked me, how do I get the capital to do what I do? And so <laughs> I am in e-commerce as well. Uh, I do have different types of shirts that we are blessed by the grace of God to be able to sell. And so uh, I think that it's important. And to anyone out there interested in being in, in entrepreneurship, e-commerce is a great place to get started. It's a great place to get your bearings and you don't have the overhead in terms of the brick and mortar and the lights and, and the rent and payroll. Right. And so, yeah. Exactly. I found a great place to get t-shirts and that's alphabroder.com. Alphabroder. Oh, okay. Okay. Alphabroder.com. That's where pretty much all the big boys get all the things and you can get everything from the $2 t-shirt all the way up to the $15, $20 t-shirt. That's and good. From there, you can kind of embroider and screen print. So take a yes. look at Alpha Broder too. There's that's kind yes. of that's kind of a cheat code. Yes. <laughs> Alpha Broder. Alpha Broder. Alphabroder.com. Broder.com. All right. Thank you, Tara. I want everyone to um, take a look at your video and uh, we're going to put it on our Instagram and our Facebook as well. Okay, yes, I'd love to hear what people say. If anyone has any comments, that this would be great. Thank you for right. sharing. Right. Well, thank you. Really appreciate it. We wish you the best. And if there's ever anything that you need, feel free to reach out. I uh, most definitely will. Thank you so much, HBCU grad family. A shout out to all of the uh, viewers of the this live show and everyone who had a hand in orchestrating this. So thank you. All right. Thank yes. you, Ty. Have a good one. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. For for uh, tuning in, uh, this, this may be our eighth uh, H.
show. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate the feedback that we've been getting. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't. Uh, like, comment. That would really help us. Uh, also, follow us on Instagram. Uh, follow us on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Snapchat. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, we're also on TikTok. TikTok is a place that we're really creating. So no matter uh, what you like, TikTok is probably the most fun place on the internet. So I really, yeah, I really appreciate you. Um, if you have anything else that you want us to uh, cover, if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, if you have any feedback, please let us know. And we'll see you on the next episode.